Welcome. I'm Asa A, and this is The August Light, a podcast about my life as an actress and entrepreneur, which technically they're the same thing, but I digress. <laughs> Join me weekly for candid discussions about Black culture, growth, self-care, business, education, and a whole bunch of other sh- Oh, and I have a lot of amazing friends who'll be joining me in all my nonsense. There's no telling what will happen when the mic comes on, but I promise it'll be entertaining. So get comfy and enjoy the light, the August light. Today on the August Light Podcast, we are speaking with Amani Dorn about accents, dialects, and style. She has a bachelor's degree in broadcast journalism and plans to honors from the University of Texas, as well as a master's of fine arts and acting from UC Irvine. She is a member of the Voice and Speech Training Association, certified in Knight Thompson speech work, and she is in the process of being certified in Fitzmaurice voice work. She grew up in a theater home and has always loved dialects. She has over 10 years of experience in acting, dialect work, and styling. She has toured the country with Marvel Universe Live doing stunts. She does a whole bunch of other stuff too, but that's for the time. So let's give a warm welcome to Imani Dorn. Hey! <laughs> Anything you want to say before we get into these questions? Uh, not really, just happy to be here and going with the flow. And if my... <laughs> vaccine madness pops up just know it's the vaccine madness and it's not just my normal crazy <laughs> what she means by the vaccine madness she just got her first shot like last week or like five days ago she's experiencing what happens after that vaccination for covid so you know we don't know what we're going to get today but i'm sure it's going to be great <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna love it my best i'll do my best all right so the first thing is first as I said in the intro, she does dialects and accents. She's my dialect coach. So I like to just start with something basic. How would you define the term accent and the term dialect? And are the two interchangeable? Well, lots of people do use the terms interchangeably and that's fine. I don't think anybody really gets upset about that. But um, basically the difference between an accent and a dialect is an accent is what your voice does when you're speaking a language that is not your native language. So if I were to like scoot myself over to France, which I obviously am not doing that anytime soon, but if I went over to France and started speaking French, I'd be speaking French with an American accent and vice versa. A dialect is a way, uh, features of the way that you speak in your native language. So I have an American accent if I go speak Spanish or something, and I have a Southern dialect, if I go, well, I have it no matter where I am, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but if you're speaking in your native language in some sort of, with some sort of regional features, dialect. If you're speaking a different language using the features that come from your native language, accent. Okay, just listening to you explain that, I get why we use them interchangeably. <laughs> because most most people aren't going to be able to distinguish the two terms. Our brains are just going to like, whatever. It's the same thing, especially Americans, which is lazy like that. Yeah. <laughs> and to be perfectly honest, it's really no hindrance to use them interchangeably. Now, what I also want to bring in is idiolect, which is the accent features or dialect features of a specific person. Okay. So say I want to talk like I'm Martin Luther King, mm -hmm. that's an idiolect that is specific to Martin Luther King. Ah, 
Okay, I see you. So I'm going to go into another question that they kind of uh, reminded me of since you brought up Martin Luther King. How did African-American history, specifically slavery, influence dialects across the U.S.? And do dialects differ between African-Americans and white Americans who live in the same area or region? Yeah. So let's start. Well, not the beginning, but, you know, <laughs> you know, basically a bunch of colonizers kidnapped a bunch of Africans from all sorts of different tribes in Africa. And so you had the Middle Passage, which put us all in different places. There was a convergence between various African languages also meeting American. And yeah. she says air quotes, American. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so largely brought to the South. And so you had a convergence of all these African languages and largely American Southern dialects. That's its own thing. Now, the longer we spent in the South, which is largely where African-Americans were for quite a while. Hundreds of years. You know, a couple hundred years, just like whatever. Give or take, you know. <laughs> um, give or take to five. So a lot of African-Americans ended up picking up plantation Southern dialects. Then we had great migration all over the country and African-Americans, especially often being in isolated, more isolated communities, took a lot of that South with them all over the U.S. So to the latter part of your question, do Black people and white people have different dialects in certain regions? Yes and no. It's not really that binary. Because as you know, you and I both live in Atlanta, right? Right. So we don't have the same dialect. No, because I'm from St. Louis. Right. And I'm from Texas. <laughs> so that's kind of the game we're playing. It's like, it's not just where you live, it's where you came from. Gotcha. So your dialect is a complicated story that tells a lot about one's history. So it's not as cut and dry as black and white. So in what ways did migration and colonization, you know, the colonizers, impact mm -hmm. dialects and accents throughout the world in the sense of how accents and dialects are currently learned, say, for training? Interesting. Um, the way that I learned dialects or work on dialect work, I try to be really specific about the whole story, right? Like I said before, oftentimes African-Americans and Africans all over the African diaspora have been in a position where they have been relatively isolated and later to getting really educated or even being allowed to freely travel. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the differences you'll find is our colonizers will have done a whole bunch of traveling, a whole bunch of book learning, meeting people all over the world. And so those dialects or accents, depending on where we are, changed at a slightly more rapid and more specific pace mm -hmm. for what we'll call colonizers than they did for people in the African diaspora. Because there's a big learning curve there of being moved to a place where you don't speak the language at all. Right. And getting the time to pick up enough of the language the colonizers are speaking so that you have kind of a common ground. Mm -hmm. But as colonizers, you know, some of them pick up and go someplace else. And then they pick up and go someplace else. Meanwhile, a lot of people in the African diaspora are trapped in one place for a long mm -hmm. time without the ability to pick up other sounds from other places. 
which is why, for example, with American Southern, that's why you're going to hear a lot more American Southern in African-American dialects all over the U.S., as opposed to slightly, this is oversimplifying. But anyway, that's not <laughs> the point is that you'll find more variation in, say, white dialects regionally than you might find between African-American dialects regionally, largely because once we decided that white is white, we've got Irish, Scottish, you know, all these things coming in and going all over the country. French. British. Yeah. Australian. (laughs) South African. Pick your place. The Europeans will say. We'll say the Europeans. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) We'll call them them the people with less melanin, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Whereas many of us melanated people spent a lot of time building our culture in the South and taking that with us wherever we were finally able to go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. It's why, like, I guess for me and what I'm understanding, it's why you have so many places that are foundationally have, say, a British sounding accent in some shape or form Mm -hmm. or a French influence, you know, in New Orleans. So stuff like that. Yeah. And more of that melding started to happen with white people over a longer period of time, they got a head start is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. Ours isn't as widely spread. And it's also influenced more by theirs because they got to go all around the world and just plant their seeds, quote, (laughs) so to speak. If you all could only see what we're doing right now. (laughs) Just know it's hilarious. But um But no, but it also is so influenced by who you're around, right? I didn't grow up around a lot of African-American people. I don't know if you can tell that by the way that I I speak. I can, I can. (laughs) 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 Well, you said you were from Texas and I'm like, she said she grew up in Texas and I know, you know, her, I know her history, y'all, where she, uh, where she was born versus where she grew up versus where she went to college and, and so on. And to hear her say she's from Texas is like, yeah, but you don't sound like you're from the South at all. Meanwhile, I'm from St. Louis and I sound country as hell sometimes. <laughs> but that's a whole other story. I wouldn't put it that way, but I would say that you do tend to have more what we would think of as Southern features in the way that you speak. But, <laughs> but that's also your idiolect, right? Yes. So despite the fact that I am melanated, I grew up around a lot of white people and it's, it's not even just around what group you grew up in, but it's also what neighborhood, how much travel, how educated are your parents, how do your parents speak, how did your grandparents speak? So both my parents received various forms of speech training growing up. My mom's an actress and my dad grew up with a speech impediment, so he went to a speech therapist. And their, their dialects are not the same, but they are both, I don't like saying this, but relatively regionally unmarked. Okay, that is the polite way of saying it. You know, in the Black community is talking white, but there's no such thing as talking white. It's true. So we're not going to go down that path because that would be a whole other rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> but we on the same page. We understand. I understand completely what you mean. There's no such thing as someone talking white or talking Black or talking uneducated or talking educated. You're simply just talking. You're talking based off how you 
were brought up based off where you were brought up, where you were influenced based off your education. So many different things impact how we speak. Yeah. And how we sound. The environment in which you're speaking it. Yeah. That's the whole code switching conversation. Oh yeah. Yeah. Honestly, if you listen to different episodes of this podcast, I can guarantee you, if you listen to even just this one, the intro on this probably sounds very quote unquote white, professional, code switch, whatever. But as we have been talking, it's very black, very comfortable, very, you know, whatever term you want to describe it as. Yeah. Talk however you talk. But since we do have Imani here and she is dialects and accents and everything, you can learn and control your accents and your dialects, point blank period. Yeah. And just to put a little caveat on that, it's not necessarily control or dampen what you have, what you've inadvertently done based on your environment and the way that you've learned to work in the world is to slightly adjust. You have picked up more than one dialect. That's actually a skill that you already have. Gotcha. See, if you go, if you do her training, you'll learn to adjust. Uh, So the next question then, since you've mentioned you can learn to adjust and we're talking about your training and everything, what are some necessary components needed to achieve a sound accent? And this is particularly for like actors who are interested or thinking about say, I want to learn a new accent or a dialect or whatever for this, that special skill that actors have and people tell us that we need. Uh, What are some key components that are necessary to that? Well, I would say the first step is to figure out for yourself why. That's a big part of anything you do. Yeah. Not just because somebody in undergrad or grad school said, you need to have this skill. Because you can go do you. And- Wait, Paul, was that like a Kermit the Frog voice that just came out? Yes. I wasn't thinking of Kermit the Frog, but it... I'm not mad at it, but I loved it. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, If it is something you're interested in, it's always good to know why and also be comfortable with doing in-depth research because say you're like, I want to learn a Cockney accent. Okay. I can give you the framework of what those sounds are, but then next stop, you want to like really be able to use them. Right. Which is why, and I know when we've worked together, why I'm like, here's an option. Here's another option within the framework of what is conceivably possible here, which still isn't everything, but keep an open mind and don't worry about perfection. I'm just saying step one, don't worry about getting it right. And we're going to come back to that later on in this episode in a way that's going to be very interesting. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about getting it perfect. I love that advice. I love it. So the next question is, so we're going to switch gears from accents and dialects because Amani, she likes to style, whether it be fashion or interior design. So how would you define your fashion style and your interior design style? Well, let's do interior design first. So mid-century modern, rustic, industrial, bohemian. That's a lot, but I totally get most of it. I get the, the rustic, industrial, bohemian. I think the Bohemian influences her fashion as well, because I just, based on what I've seen her wear. Um, and I totally get industrial because I'm the same way. I love industrial and I like modern. Now you said mid, what was the first two? Uh, mid-century modern. Mid-century modern. Educate us. Okay. Well, like what you'll see on like Mad Men, low, clean lines, lots of wood, like clean combination of wood and metal. Gotcha. I'm the same. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. And everything that's on there is the like bohemian eclectic stuff, like stuff I picked up from travels and colorful things. It's like you're speaking my whole language. If you saw my house though, like, but I'm, I'm a little bit probably simpler than most when it comes to decorating and design in my house. Been in my house like almost five years at this point. And literally took me about the full five years. No, no, I did this last year. So four years when the pandemic hit, I actually had the opportunity to actually start doing some minimal decorating. Now my definition of decorating all is putting up a few pictures and hanging curtains. Mm -hmm. That's as much as you're going to get from me. That's it. That's all I need. Well, I think you would be surprised based on this shelf and I have a bunch of like stuff and books and I like to have them out so I can find them. I'm all about minimal decorating. I don't think you have to like have every wall covered in stuff. And also not everything has to match. Like a lot of things are just things that I just was like, I like that. Like over here is a poster of Animal, the Muppet. Big old frame. (laughs) Makes sense why that voice came out there. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And you're right. It doesn't have to match. To me, as long as it feels comfortable. I like it also to feel comfortable and warm. I like to feel cozy in my house, like inviting. But tell us about, before I get off on the tangent, tell us about your personal fashion though. <laughs> well, it's it's similar to my house, but um, kind of bohemian, eclectic rock and roll. Totally. If y'all could see her, you would completely understand. And of course, we'll give, I'll have her information at the end of the episode. So when you see her, you're going to be like, oh, it's going to be an aha moment. <laughs> totally. Be yeah, and I used to be quite, uh, what did my sister used to call me? Preppy, bohemian, eclectic, chic. Not so much preppy anymore. No. Like, like, I, I don't really wear clothes that have collars anymore. But I can see that phase in you. Probably when you were in college, high school, probably. <laughs> Oh yeah, I can totally, I could totally see that phase for you. And then you're like, no, I'm a little edgy. I got a little more life experience. Let me, let me get out of that. (laughs) Right. And also it can be uncomfortable. I just decided that I wanted to be comfortable, which is the convenient thing about becoming someone who works in the arts. It's because like, you always have to be able to move, right? Yeah. I like comfortable clothes, period. If I'm uncomfortable, it's not good for anybody. Yeah. Nobody wins from that. No. Well, Unless you're in a period piece and you're wearing a corset. No. The you period. but you love that style. Like you you watched uh what is it, Bridgerton? Yeah. Or the <laughs> style of the period piece. You like, I love the costumes in the show. But I ain't mad, you know, that was a big part of Black Panther as well. Amazing costumes. And and I will admit it is a big thing because if you watch a show or a movie where they have bad wigs, we get distracted by bad wigs. Well, and that's part of the whole thing, right? Like the whole thing has to make sense in the context. And I feel like that's what often happens, not to bring it back to dialects because that's what I do, but I'm doing it anyway. If you get a costume, it can be the most beautiful, perfectly made costume in the world. But if it doesn't fit you, people are going to be like, something is amiss. And it's the same thing with dialects, which is why I'm always like, go in there and make a mistake because that's how you're going to make mistakes and or discoveries that fit you. That's sound advice for life and for my actors who are listening. It's amazing advice for us actors that we should always remember. Go in there and make a mistake, okay? Because then if you make a mistake, you're actually going to make something beautiful. If you've ever done an audition 
And in your head, you're like, dang, I just fucked that up. But then you actually get to watch it back. And then you like, whoa, that was actually pretty bomb. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't nearly as bad as our minds make it. So mm-hmm. you can discover a lot of amazing things from quote unquote mistakes. Right. And yeah. I personally feel that perfection is not a friend of excellence. It's not. They don't go hand in hand. And something this year and starting last year, I was like, I got to dead the perfectionist in me because it doesn't serve me at all. Perfect does not exist in a human being. We are flawed. Right. There's no realistic way of ever being perfect. Mm-hmm. It's not a real authentic way, at least. Exactly. Unless you're like a sociopath, in which case... Maybe See, that's your thing. But, th- but then that's still flawed because you're a sociopath. <laughs> like that's a, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> See, this is why, stop laughing at me. Okay, well, speaking of I, that. It's not a laugher at, not laughing at you. I'm literally <laughs> laughing with you because it was just gold. <laughs> but sometimes you have to play a sociopath, okay? I'm just saying. I'm all for it. I would love to play a sociopath. Sometimes you have to play a robot. Like you need to get into being a robot. Listen, as actors, we, we go crazy places and we're going to see at the end of this episode. So I got one more question for you before we get to the fun part of this episode. So how can actors define their own signature style? Well, I, this question actually came up on Facebook the other day. It comes up all the time. What do I do about my new headshot? Well, first of all, wear something that makes you comfortable. Like first. wear something that makes your face be your face. And it should be something from your closet. You don't, exactly. you don't have to go buy something because the person that you're trying to portray in the headshots is you. Exactly. If this is what you wear on a regular in your closet, bring it to your photo shoot. Right. And I swear, again, my style is kind of quirky. So I like mixing and matching things. I like clothes that make me laugh. Like, I'm like, that's fun. I don't really care if anyone else likes it. And no, I wouldn't wear all of that stuff to an audition, but I've gotten jobs from walking in there and being like I'm just gonna do me I got a commercial once because I came in like afro puffs and a skirt and a shirt that didn't quite match and a pair of boots because I'm really into boots me too I love boots like boots are my friend I wish it could be winter all year round so that I can wear boots all year round I do wear boots all year round I have too many boots you're gonna have to you love leather it makes me feel grounded I also like, I'm not great at sandals because I'm not good at keeping at my toes. And that (laughs) we're the same boat. (laughs) I'm just, that's not a place that I'm focusing. I remember when I lived in New York at a preppier time in my life when I was still working at J. Crew. Wow. We'll come back to that in a second. (laughs) After after we get done with this podcast, we will we will come back to the J. Crew period of your life. The discount was dope. But I love wearing boots with flouncy dresses. And there are so many styles of boots that have cutouts that you don't necessarily have to be wearing socks with. <laughs> Boot version of sandals, but you don't see the toe part. I got you. I, I'm, I'm all about closed toe shoes because then I don't have to worry about my toes being done. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm super simple. When I, like I'll put on basically a giant t-shirt throw on a pair of boots and a leather jacket. And I'm like, I am styling. But it works. It's you. It's totally you. We're going to tie all this together. All the lovely talk about mistakes and style and accents, maybe dialects. 
we're gonna see what y'all get because Imani's getting very nervous that's her face she's like over adjusting because she knows what's coming so as always on the August Light podcast I like to have a little fun with my guests so today we're doing an improv segment called filling in the blanks As actors, we are often given limited information about the characters we play, so we have to fill in the blanks about who they are. Now, for those who don't know what improv is, it's an acting skill where you create a scene from nothing or based on some given circumstances. This skill can be very challenging for some actors and easy for others. Amani raised her hand for being challenging for her, but it's very useful to know how to do because you never know when you're going to be asked to improv in an audition or on set. It's also a fun way for actors to get out of their heads, trust their instincts, and be okay with making mistakes as we were talking about earlier. I mean, after all, mistakes are what make us human. So we're going to do two to three improv scenes based off some character breakdowns I've created. The scene will be about 45 seconds to a minute. There are a variety of ways to do improv, y'all. And they're always twist and turn. So today's twist is going to be, we have to style slash dress our characters before our scenes. Amani, I think, has an advantage on this one because I'm not a styling person. But Nene, don't get me wrong. I'm not going through a lot of effort. I'm doing the same thing where I wear like something very basic and I've got accessories. Okay. okay. You, you already have a game plan. I have no game plan. So- what we're going to do, both of us have the same list of character descriptions that we can play for the scenes. And we're going to each pick one for each scene. We would not be telling each other the character we are selecting because with improv, you never know what your scene partner is going to do. Before we begin, here are a few rules of improv. One, do not deny your scene partner. Yes, and is your friend. Two, avoid questions. An occasional question is okay. But too many forces your partner to carry the scene, and that's no bueno. Three, give your partner something, a present, a fact about them, whatever, you know? Four, establish a relationship and where you are. Five, do not end or exit the scene before the scene has been called. We will be using a timer, so an alarm will signal the end of our scenes today. So this is going to be interesting. Did you prepare each of yours already? Yeah. See, this is what I meant. Layering options. Yeah, but this is what I meant when I said Amani had the advantage. Like, she came prepared with outfit choices for all of these characters. And she knows where she's going with this. I have no idea. So we both have an advantage as far as, like, she knows what her character's going to wear, kind of get a vibe for him. I just have the strength of improv. So this is going to be really, really fun. So you say. I, (laughs) I do say. I do say, yes, I do. I believe in you. I'm going to let you go first since you have an idea of what you're going to style. All you got to do is tell me what they're wearing. And you can show me since you have it there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I mean, this is going to be great for her because it's going to help her get into the scene. And it's great if you can always have props, but. But also it's extra. I understand. I mean, not at all. There's no such thing as extra in improv ever. I will not deny that. I would totally 100% encourage all of the things you're doing. I have picked my character. Go ahead and explain your character style. What are what they what are they wearing without telling me who they are? I'm wearing a black blazer, a plaid scarf, 
and big black glasses. Awesome. Okay. My person is going to wear, she's wearing a flowy white skirt with like a very earthy necklace, kind of big and chunky mm-hmm. and a, a neutral color top. Okay. And some boots. Cause I love boots. Mm-hmm. All right. So the timer has been set and it doesn't matter who starts. If you feel the moment to start first, go for it. We'll fill it out and see where it goes. So I've heard a bit about your experience. How harrowing that must have been. It really was harrowing, but I'm American, so. Oh, harrowing, as in uncomfortable, puts you into a position that that was difficult. Yes, because, you know, when the student grabbed her flute and struck me with it, it was very uncomfortable. I thought it was going to be an American pie scene at some point, but I was able to, you know, get through it. That is inspirational. You're really a hero to us all. I remember I saw some tubers walking down the street the other day and I almost ran into the store to get away from them. I don't trust people with instruments. I'm hurt. As a person who loves music and instruments. It can be used for good or for evil. You know what? It's okay. It's, It's okay. I understand there are fears of all kinds of things and I get it. You have a fear of instruments. Yes. And I mean, look at the Macy's Day Parade every year. I can only imagine being a reporter at one of those things and having to deal with something like that. And well, you just never know what's going to happen, especially at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Not one marching band, but one after another. Yes, so much can go wrong. All right, so a little secret. I put it as 45 minutes. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting is that it kind of wrapped itself up which is always satisfying i love when it feels like we still have places to go with it (laughs) i love it all right i know which one you were i'm gonna give them the breakdown why you pick your next character she was a female british newscaster in her 40s we get breakdowns to say stuff like male or female 40s british newscaster that's basically what we get she did a great job filling in the blanks of that my character's name was flower 40s female Black music teacher. That was my character breakdown. (laughs) And by the way, as you could tell from my scarf, those who are not listening, I was on the streets. Yes, and we didn't even, we we didn't establish where we were, but I figured that it was kind of implied, but it should have, we should have probably said it. Those just rules of improv. That helps you go places, y'all. It helps the scene not stay in one place. All right. I'll go first this time and say what, what, what I'm wearing. Okay. I am wearing a black button-up shirt that, of course, has a collar and black pants with black shoes. And that's that's all I'm going to give you. And I am wearing a hat, kind of hipstery blue glasses, and a leather jacket. All right. And we're on the clock. I appreciate you all coming here today because I have a word from the Lord. It is... Coming up on Easter Sunday, and I feel like as a congregation, we all need to come together to raise funds for the new church roof. And I understand that uh, this is the first time you're hearing about the roof, but we had a situation um, here at the church that uh, requires 
uh, funding of the roof. And I did a whole monologue. <laughs> but, hey, but hey, I was there. She was there. So <laughs> she had a whole camera. Let me see which one was she. I feel like there's a photographer on it. Yes. Janet, 20s and 40s, any ethnicity, annoying pap photographer willing to do anything to get the shot. That actually worked really well because my character was Brianna, female, 30s, 50, any ethnicity, a Southern pastor who is strong-willed and outspoken. So it, it makes sense that she didn't say anything because a paparazzi ain't going to say much. And so she was actually taking pictures of me the whole time while I'm speaking, y'all. I don't care. I'm strong-willed and outspoken. So I'm going to keep talking to my congregation. As this paparazzi is in my church, clearly there's more to the story. I mean, clearly I have a, a roof that needs to be fixed that the church just heard about. I've already got some pretty great pictures of the damn <laughs> I'm scared of what that story is going to be that you report on. <laughs> that, that, that pastor was up to something. Definitely, definitely up to something. I know that the church has more money than Jesus. Don't <laughs> extort your parish to fix your roof. I know you're getting an insurance claim. Get out of here. Honestly, it wasn't even something I can claim on my insurance would happen to the roof. It wasn't even a roof that needed to be fixed. It was some other things I was swindling money for. So, <laughs> um, I enjoyed it. Also, I think what's fun about, even though the people can't see us, is the way that you described it, which is, I didn't say anything, but that doesn't mean I wasn't giving you anything. Exactly. And that's the important thing about any scene, y'all, when you're acting with someone. I mean, as actors, we have scenes where we don't say anything and it's all just listening and reacting. And that is still powerful. And you still have to give your scene partner something. You, She still was giving me something because even though she's not saying anything, I can see her taking pictures of me, which depending on who your character is, could be distracting, could be unnerving, or you could be narcissistic about it and not really caring. You're kind of actually enjoying the fact that somebody is taking the pictures of you. So there's, there's a lot that can happen with that. So that was great. Yeah. I also, this was actually a great improv success for me because I feel like the trap that I often fall into with improv is the pressure to speak. That it has to be like, people don't speak like that. They don't. And I'm, I'm glad you said that because that's something else that um, actors get uncomfortable with. They, they don't, we don't tend, I'll say, I'm not gonna say they, we don't tend to like to be quiet. We don't know how to sit in the silence a lot of times. Silence does speak y'all. Sometimes not saying anything says more than actual words. We gave a whole scene with just one person doing the action and the other person talking. Yeah. And we must always remember that like acting is committing acts. It's doing things. It's not just talking. Exactly. It's being, doing. it's action. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to me, this was golden. Be fearless in making mistakes and knowing that as a human, you're not perfect. As an actor, you're not perfect. Two. Silence is golden. Silence, you can say a lot with your face and your actions without saying a single word. And people will understand perfectly well which, what was going on and what your intention was. And have fun. Right. No, like I just loved that you said embrace making mistakes, but also you always have to have an intention. So long as you have an intention, like when you said about how it can get you out of your head, yeah. if you're always trying to think of the next thing to say, that's you in your head. That's not you in the moment. Exactly. That's not real life. 
But before we get out of here, I first want to say thank you again, Amani. This was so much fun. I'm happy you enjoyed yourself. I'm happy that I didn't completely scare you and terrify you with the improv. <laughs> I told you it was going to be fun and nothing too stressful. Mm-hmm. Second, of course, in the show notes, I will have um, some resources. But if you all are interested in uh, learning a dialect or an accent, you know, either or, like we said, she's a great teacher. Um, you can find out information about her at Amani Dorn dialects.com i'm not going to spell that because it'll be in the show notes but <laughs> uh it's spelled like it sounds okay you can follow her on instagram what's your instagram amani uh amani 512 no it's amani dorn dialects i changed it i i thought it was amani dorn <laughs> you can find her instagram at amani dorn dialects all right you can tell uh, how often I'm on instagram huh <laughs> you can tell how often i'm on instagram i'm, I'm, I'm the same All right, so I'm going to get up out of here now. Bye. Bye. Come back next week for another enlightening episode. If you were entertained or inspired by this show, tell someone about it. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcast. Leave a review about it somewhere, anywhere. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the August underscore light. Oh, and join our club, the August Light Talk on Clubhouse, where we will be hosting follow-up discussions.